Till Death Do Us Part is a satirical true crime podcast hosted by a dysfunctional married couple who discuss other dysfunctional relationships. If you can't handle that, don't go away mad. Just go away. Hello, and welcome to the 60th episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I'm Daniel. And I'm Melissa. Welcome to another morning braless edition of Till Death Do Us Part. <laughs> I am without a bra. <laughs> Daniel's not wearing his bra. I'm not. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful sight. Because moobs are sexy in the morning. They are. Moobs are making a comeback for sure. No, they're not. <laughs> I saw it in Men's Health. <laughs> <laughs> They're usually how to get rid of your moobs. Yeah, yeah. Well, just to let everybody know, you are officially listening to Apple Podcasts Top 10 New and Noteworthy Podcast. That is a mouthful. I have no idea what that means. All no, I know. I have no idea what you just said, but okay. I know. Yay for us. Yay. High five. High five ourselves. We have no friends. <laughs> we are professionals, by the way. Oh, for sure. You can tell. Yeah, you can tell just, our professionalism just oozes from your ear holes, right? Yeah. That's from, on a Actually, no, it oozes from our mouth holes. Oh, <laughs> lovely. That's, lovely. That's not good. Anyways, anyway, yeah. I mean, that's cool. That's really cool. If you are enjoying our podcast, could you please shout us out? Social media. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Your mom would probably enjoy us. We're probably around the same age. Yell it from the street corners. Yeah. Let's just get like our name the, out there so people can be more judgy about what we're doing. I keep telling the the weird people that walk and stand and yell in the middle of the street, but I don't think it's helping. Probably not. No. No. But, you know, worth a try. So if you could do that for us, that would be great. Sure. All right. Daniel found another review. Actually, this one is a nice review. Have we met? Have uh, met? Have we read any really pissed off, angry reviews? No, I put those on social media for everyone oh, to see. Okay, because it's hilarious how much people don't like us sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's actually really funny. I, I, I mean, I don't. I didn't think of our show as like super opinionated where you really piss off some people no. and make some people happy. But it seems like no matter what you do, there's there's haters. Yeah. Which I mean, is good. I get annoyed at people on Instagram, influencers on Instagram. So people can get annoyed with us. It doesn't matter. It's all fair in love and war, right? Something like that. All right. Here we go. All right. So this this review is from Richard Simon and it says, wonderful dysfunction. <laughs> That is a great description of of our mess here is what we're doing. We should change the title to Wonderfully Dysfunctional. Is that what it says? Wonderful Dysfunction. Oh, my gosh. But you just changed it. Gosh, what is wrong with me? Exclamation mark. I stumbled on these two about three weeks ago and have fallen in love with both Melissa and Daniel. Oh, thank you. I've binged their podcast and laugh at their banter as well as Daniel's commentary during <laughs> Mel's narrating her wonderful, often gruesome, but always well, well-researched couples murders. Aww. Thank you. How about some same-sex partner murders? I don't think they kill each other, evidently. No, they're too happy. I'm sure. No, but seriously, Richard, if you have any, 
that you think would kind of fit in our box. Yeah. (laughs) Can you please send that over? That'd be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It's all about fitting in each other's boxes. Yes. My husband and I have been together for 34 years, married in 2013. Wow. And while divorce is always the better option and murder is never an option, unless you can get away with it. (laughs) Relationships are often cyclical, difficult, and sometimes roller coaster rides till the smooth patches return and you remember why you're together. That's true. Amen, Richard. Amen, brother. Absolutely. Now you have 13 followers. Does 13 flow grippingly off the tongue? (laughs) Keep up the great work. 13 is my favorite number. Yeah, because DJ's 12, so uh, Richard is going to have to be 13, I guess. Okay, Richard, you're lucky number 13. There well, you thank go. you for that. That's awesome. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you guys for all the kind reviews. We really, really appreciate it. Um, the reviews are great, but if you, could, you guys could start shouting us out to your friends and family, that would be awesome. <laughs> we need a lot of help in case you haven't noticed. Yes, we need psychological help as well. So Pretty much. Daniel, you got some factoids for me? Yeah, so... Am I going to pee my pants again? (laughs) That's up to you. All right. You're supposed to pee before we start. I got to practice my kegels more. You do. Yeah. Um, That just made everyone uncomfortable. That's okay. Um, So this is, uh, I guess, as I said, like a hat tip to BuzzFeed, because BuzzFeed puts together some really cool, uncomfortable stuff. They do. They must have a million employees. Do they? I don't know. I don't know. They find some good stuff. You could work for BuzzFeed, I think. Me? Just of all the research and stuff you do. Oh, probably. But they probably wouldn't like me. You never know. All right. Go for it, babe. I'm going to start with this one because I like peanut butter. (laughs) It says a typical jar of peanut butter contains 10 or more rodent hairs, averaging more (gasps) one or more rodent hairs per 100 grams, which isn't very much peanut butter. Someone also wrote, followed up, also one regular size jar of peanut butter may contain hundreds of insect fragments, which I totally believe. No. Well, okay, so peanuts aren't actually beans, or they're, they're beans, they're not They're nuts. legumes. So they're on the ground, so they collect a lot of parts oh of things. Oh my gosh. So now you don't have to worry about just dying from peanuts if you're allergic to peanuts. Now you have to worry about whether or not you're allergic to insects. Pretty much. Um, I'm going to skip around some of these. Um, This is horribly uncomfortable. Yay. As recently as the 1980s, many researchers and doctors believed that babies couldn't feel pain, so some were operated on without (gasps) any anesthesia. Oh, my gosh. I've read that before. Oh, my gosh. Oh, God. It puts a lump in my throat. I just, oh, God. Oh, God. And I've said this before, and a lot of people do. You always say, oh, the good old days. No. She was back in the good old days. Okay, the good old days, especially when it came to medical stuff. Sucked. Good old days medical. The doctors were smoking and not giving infants anesthesia? What the hell? I don't know. But medical and then flying back in the good old days? Yeah, no. No, thank you. Yeah, I don't. No. I'm happy not dying and flying, flying and dying. No. All right. Here's a good one. Dr. Seuss cheated on his wife, Helen Palmer, who was (laughs) sick with cancer. She then killed herself by overdosing on barbiturates. Yes. I read that. Her suicide note read, I am too old and meshed in everything you do and are that I cannot conceive of life without you. 
My going will leave quite a rumor, but you can say I was overworked and overwrought. Your reputation with your friends and fans will not be harmed. Yeah. So there you go. That's horrible. That's awful. And I believe it was her nurse. If your spouse is dying of cancer, at least wait till they're dead before you cheat on them. Because yeah. nothing, I mean, you hear those stories, right? Mm-hmm. And it's usually like someone, that, like a friend. Or a nurse. Someone. And it's like, oh my God, really? Ugh. You can't hold out for just, a minute? Just wait. Just use your hand for a while. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Palm and his five friends. What's it called? I forget how it goes. Anyway. Big Bird almost joined NASA's Challenger mission to encourage kids to get interested in space. The one that blew up? Had the plan been (gasps) followed through, millions of kids would have watched Big Bird and the spacecraft explode live on TV. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. I remember when that happened. That's how old we are. I don't remember it. I mean, I remember- goodness gracious. That I should have remembered. Yeah, but you were homeschooled. Yeah. So there, so I was sheltered from things like explosions and Big Bird, evidently. Uh, you are more likely to be killed by a cow than by a shark. See, you have this unreasonable fear of sharks because of, but you know. But I saw Jaws too young. That's the problem. And in turn, I showed Jaws to our kid too young. So, you know, dysfunction at its finest. But I am scared of cows as well. I'm scared of mad cow disease. Not only mono or strep throat, I am also scared of mad cow disease. Is that why you're adverse to eating meat? I love meat. Oh, okay. I just don't think about where it comes from. But no, I'm not going to walk up to a cow and pet it. Why not? Because it'll give you They are actually really sweet. No, it won't. (laughs) They're very sweet. They just stare at you with those big cow eyes. Oh, the cow eyes. People eat those. Gross. Who eats cow eyes? I saw it. I'm sure. Yeah, on bizarre foods. Like a with third that world country guy, that dude that eats um, hamsters. What was his name? With the bald guy, he eats hamsters. Yeah, he eats hamsters. Oh, guinea pigs. Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and I, his name slipped my mind. Yeah, me too. Sorry, bald guy. Uh, this is good. You know that bright red color, especially in candies, the coating, the shell, the yeah. bright shell. Those are crushed up red beetles. No. And that's where they get the dye from, 100% true. No. Absolutely. They have red, like normal red food coloring that they put on tomatoes and stuff. It's made from beetles. <laughs> the beetles actually are grown on cactus plants. So they have these cactus plants. As they're down south. Oh, so they're organic. Well, of course they're organic. <laughs> and these things produce this super super intense red color so they harvest these little tiny beetles just for the dye oh my goodness all right well there's another thing to mark off my list okay this is another good one okay in the wizard of oz the old one the old one you mean the only one the only one i don't know (laughs) didn't they do a remake of it no okay never mind the michael jackson one but that was that's different. Okay, yeah. so in the original Wizard of Oz, the snowstorm that took place was actually asbestos. Yes, I knew that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, when they were uh, on the tulips and the snow starts to fall. Someone followed up and said, using this cancer-causing substance as fake snow was a popular movie trick in the 20s and 30s. Yeah, I think they did that in It's a Wonderful Life, too. 
That was asbestos. Oh, wow. Yeah, because they filmed it in July. Huh. And they couldn't get fake snow to, right. you know, stick and stuff. Back in the yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Back in the day. A corpse can bloat and swell up to almost double in size within a few days of dying due to a buildup of gases in the body during decomposition. Yeah, that's awful. Kind of. Mm-hmm. During the old Hollywood days, if a child actor ever misbehaved on set, they were occasionally sent to the black box and were forced to sit on a block of ice as punishment. That's awful. And then there's a follow-up note. It says, later in her life, Shirley Temple recalled the events saying, so far as I can tell, the black box did no lasting damage to my psyche. Oh, Shirley. I think she's in denial. That's awful. That's like torture. So that'll make you feel better when you watch these old movies with children actors. Yeah, nobody watches those anymore. Man, they were so well behaved. Yeah. Yeah, they were scared. How could a parent be like, yeah, okay, you can do that to my child? Easy. They got a paycheck out of it. Oh, okay. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. And they were already beating the kids, so it didn't really matter. They were like, (laughs) well, think about it. Think about the old, you know, the classic stereotype of the um, mean schoolhouse school mother sitting there wrapping the kids on the knuckles with the ruler. Oh, yeah. So it just just kind of followed through into show business. Yeah. Do you ever wake up and rub your eyes? Of course. There are things called eyelash mites that live on people's faces and on your eyes. Oh. And you have them. All the time. Yep. They eat the dead skin, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, goodness. Okay, this one says you are 6.7%. I'm going to call it 7%. Make it easier. You're 7% more likely to die on your birthday than any other day of the year. Really? That's what it says. That's like happy death day. That. Oh, you're cracking over there. I just moved my wrist. Um, Um, That's like that movie, Happy Death Day. It's like Groundhog Day, but better. I think it's because people that are already depressed... Because it's your birthday? Might do that. Or maybe they... Maybe you're doing something you don't normally do. Yeah. Like skydive on your birthday. Or like, woohoo, I turned 40. Let's go skydiving. Splat. Or you're not healthy enough for adult aerobics and you indulge. Because you only do it on your birthday. Because you only do it on Mm -hmm. your birthday. So it's quite possible that... Yeah. I see where this is going. You know. All right. I'm going to finish up with this one. Okay. Because this is another kind of show business one. The corpses in the pool scene in Poltergeist <gasps> were actually real dead bodies. Is and that for sure? And Joe Beth Williams, who starred in the scene, wasn't told until after filming ended. Oh, my gosh. I don't know if you can legally do that. Have real corpses. Someone wrote as a follow-up to this. Apparently, it was cheaper to use real skeletons instead of fake ones. Mm. After people on the set found out rumors of a poltergeist curse started circulating. Oh, yeah. That movie had a lot has a lot of backstory to it. Yeah. I'd be pissed. Oh, Joe Beth Williams, I hope you gave him piece of your mind, girl. They probably settled. Probably. They probably told her she could come back for the sequel. See, they don't have to do that anymore. Everything now is fake. Everything now is fake. There's nothing real anymore. Everything's fake. Even this podcast, this marriage. It's fake. It's all fake. You guys don't know. We're just friends. Yeah. We're it's all made up. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, those were great, babe. Thank you. You're welcome.
Military Murder is a true crime show that pulls back the curtain on true crime cases in the military. Some of these cases get media attention, while others are swept quietly under the rug. Two years ago, the disappearance and subsequent murder of Vanessa Guillen placed military crime in the spotlight. Everyone was horrified that something like this could happen on a military installation. Vanessa's murder and her family's fight for justice brought these cases to the forefront. And that's where I pick up to tell you everyone else's story. As a 12-year veteran and former military attorney myself, I dig into cases just like Vanessa's, cases that occur around the world at the hands of soldiers, sailors, Marines, and airmen. But most of the cases I cover, you've never even heard of. New episodes of Military Murder are available every other Monday. And with over 100 plus episodes and counting, you will have plenty of content to binge. Now go on and listen to Military Murder Podcast. Daniel. Yes, sweet wife. (laughs) Are you ready for my case? (laughs) Yes. All right. This is the case of Dirk and Mabel May Grinader. Nice. I want that last name because I want people to call me Grinder. Dirk. Dirk. His name's Dirk. His name's Dirk. All right. Ready? Sure. At 9 a.m. on Sunday, October 31st in 1999. A call came into the Wellesley, Massachusetts 911 call center. It was a man by the name of Dirk Grinader. Dr. Dirk Grinader. Uh Uh-oh. Six-year-old Dirk was in his van at Morse's Pond. He had found his wife attacked and unresponsive in the 46-acre park and needed help. A patrol car and an ambulance were soon at the gate to the access road that led down to the area the man had said his wife was. The officer opened the gate and began driving down the two-lane paved road. Soon, he spotted a man in a bright yellow waterproof jacket walking hastily towards a wooded area. The man turned and waved down the officer. Immediately, the officer noticed blood all over the front of this yellow jacket. The cruiser stopped, and Dirk got into the passenger seat and led the officer to a small footpath to the right that was blocked by dense pine trees. Once at the location, the two men hurried down the path and into a clearing, the officer noticing blood and drag marks as they walked further in the path. What? There, in the middle of the clearing, was the bloodied body of 58-year-old Mabel May Grinader. I'm going to call her May. Okay. And she was deceased. There was nothing the paramedics could do. Within minutes, more investigators were on the scene. May had most definitely been murdered. To the trained eye, it looked as though May had been originally attacked up on the paved access road and then dragged by her shoulders down into the clearing area. She had a large wound to the left side of her neck and her shirt had been pulled up and her pants had been cut and pulled down, exposing her undergarment. Had May been sexually assaulted and then killed? But where was her husband? Had May not come home and Dirk got worried and came to the park to find her? Or had something more sinister and premeditated happen? Yes. (laughs) It was time for May's husband of 31 years to tell investigators what happened and answer some questions. Uh Mm -hmm. It was time. 
Dirk told the investigators that he and May went for their regular walk through the park with their German shepherd named Zephyr. While the couple was walking, May's back began to hurt and spasm, as it did sometimes on their walks. She told Dirk to continue down the road to the pond to keep exercising the dog, and she would meet him down there when her back pain let up. Dirk protested a bit, but May insisted. Dirk continued on the path, the Mm -hmm. paved path. The paved path. The road. He and the dog made it down to the pond, but Zephyr kept turning her head towards the direction where they had left May. Zephyr must have heard something because she took off back up the road and Dirk ran off after her. Dirk found Zephyr in the clearing standing over May's body. Dirk telling investigators that he had only left May for no more than 10 minutes. Dirk began CPR but realized quickly that he needed to get May help. He tried to lift her up to get her body onto the access road, but she was too heavy. She only weighed 120 pounds, by the way. She was a little thing. He could have picked her up. Dirk ran up the access road and spotted a dog walker and asked him if he had a cell phone, to which the dog walker replied, no. Now, we have to remember that this is 1999. We did not have phones like we do today. That's true. They were just kind of starting. They were just kind of starting. And most of us left our phones in the car charging. Right. (laughs) Like we didn't take them everywhere because they weren't these little tiny computers. Right. We couldn't play music off of them. There wasn't anything. You just could call people. And cell service was really bad. So you would go into a park and be like, eh, I'm not going to get reception in here. So it doesn't even matter. So, I mean, 1999. Yeah. You know, whatever. Dirk then spotted a man running down the road and stopped him to ask if he had a phone, to which he also replied no. Dirk made the decision to run back up to his car near the gate and get his cell phone that had been left inside charging. There you go. He made it up to the car and dialed 911. He also told investigators that he did see a person in a black hoodie running from the area and had started to run after him, but spotted the dog walker instead. Of course, this is all his side. This is his story. Obviously. Yes. Dirk then looked at the officer and asked, is she dead? The officer answered, yes. Dirk then asked, are you going to arrest me? The, o- the officer answered, that's not up to me, sir. <laughs> that, was, that was strange. <laughs> why would you ask that? Because the husband always did it, maybe. Yeah, but why would you automatically... Think offer, you're gonna get offer arrested? Up, like, all right, are you gonna arrest me? Also, I had read that Dirk was a big uh, Law and Order fan, true crime fan back in the day. Ah, so I think that was kind of playing in his head. And he's standing there covered in blood. Maybe he's thinking, like, okay, they're automatically gonna think that this is me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's gonna be their first thought. Well, maybe not the first, but you know. That that's on the table. You know, the first five thoughts. Sure. Yeah. One of those. While interviewing Dirk, the detectives noticed something odd. The front of Dirk's bright yellow jacket was covered with blood. The whole chest area, the upper arms, the elbows, also a large stain near the left cuff. But the stain stopped about two to two and a half inches at the bottom of the sleeve cuff. It was perfectly void of blood. And so were Dirk's hands. He did not have any blood on his hands. Dirk was asked if he had washed his hands before officers arrived. He answered no, that he hadn't. So he claims he tried 
CPR, and that's how, and tried to pick her up. So that's how he got all the blood. And she has a large gaping wound on the left side of her neck, which means she is covered with blood. Right. And so if he's trying to do CPR on her, his hands would be covered with blood as well. And probably his face, because if he's giving mouth to mouth to her, I'm sure there was blood in that area as well. But the only place he had blood was on his jacket, um, some on his pants, and on his shoes. Huh. Mm -hmm. But his hands were clean. His hands were clean. His face was clean. The detective also noticed that Dirk had a reddish-brown smudge across the lower left lens of his glasses. Huh. And then, like I said, his blood had, or his shoes had what appeared to be blood splatter across the top. Which, I mean, it's a very, it was a very bloody scene. So yeah. you can explain the blood, but it's hard to explain the no blood on his hands. Right. Before May's body was moved, the scene needed to be processed. The hardest crime scene to process is the one that's out in the elements. Yeah. Those are by far the hardest ones to process. But luck was on their side. They found something. Oh, boy. Under a pile of leaves, investigators found a loaf baking pan, three plastic bags of varying size, plastic gloves, and lighter fluid. Not the lighter fluid you'd use on charcoal, but lighter fluid that you find in a cigarette lighter. And on the bottle of that fluid were the words, good for re... (laughs) Did you hear my voice? (laughs) Good for removing stains. What? Now, this could have just been trash, but it was very coincidental. That's odd. Yeah. Especially the baking pan. What's with the baking pan? I don't know what the baking pan is for. And it's a loaf baking pan. Yeah. So what is that going to do? No one knows. Uh, Like a meatloaf baking pan kind of situation, right? meatloaf. That sounds good. Yeah. It's more of that meat. Once the scene had been processed, photos had been taken, and evidence collected, May's poor body was moved. As May was rolled onto her side, investigators saw two gaping wounds on the back of her head. May must have been attacked from behind. Wow. A little blunt force trauma. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Once the clearing was processed, investigators spread out through the park. As you come out from the clearing path, which lied between a thicket of pine trees and a sand pit, you come out onto the main paved access road, and you can go right or left. If you turned left, you'd walk a third of a mile back up to the gate and the parking area. If you went right, that would take you to almost like a roundabout where the cars would split that were going in opposite directions. Okay. And there was kind of like foliage, 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 foliage (laughs) in the middle of this roundabout. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you keep following the paved road, you'd eventually hit a dead end. Now, across the access road from the clearing path where May's body was found. Yeah. So directly across the road and a little bit to the right, there's a pond. Oh. There. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like a beautiful pond. Okay. That people can swim in and all that good stuff. And there's like a beach. No. Never swim in a pond. No, that's gross. There's alligators in there. Is there? Always. In Massachusetts? Doesn't matter. Oh. There's probably sharks, too. (laughs) I bet there's sharks. There's definitely sharks. Who goes swimming in a a dirty pond? 
like ever. I, I don't know. They say, oh, you could swim. No, I'm no, not swimming. Not in a pond. Just swim in a lake. Even then, it depends. If it's really nice, it just seems, I don't know. Anyway, go okay. ahead. Sorry. All right. So that pond is where Dirk said he took their dog Zephyr while May stayed behind on the path. There is an unnamed dirt road that goes down towards the pond. So if you're looking at the pond, on the left-hand side, there's kind of this little road that goes down. Yeah. And on that dirt road at about 1 p.m. that same day, at the bottom of a storm drain, a police dog located one brown right-hand glove, a two-pound drilling hammer, and a folding knife. What? Yeah. They found that at the bottom of a storm drain, and somebody had tried to cover that storm drain up with leaves and sticks and stuff. Dang. Mm -hmm. So someone had tried to hide the objects. Not very well. And then throwing them down into a four-foot hole, basically. Okay. All the items were covered with a reddish-brown substance. That substance was tested and found to be blood. Of course it was. Mm Mm-hmm. At the police station, Dirk was asked to hand over his clothing. That made him really nervous. Well, yeah, he doesn't want to stand there naked. No, (laughs) they give you stuff to wear. Oh, okay. He then told the investigator that May had given him a back rub the night before, and she might have his DNA under her fingernails. That is an odd thing to insert into the conversation. But when asked if he and May had been intimate that morning or in the days preceding the murder... Dirk answered no, because her pants were pulled down and her shirt was up. So they just assumed that she had been sexually assaulted. So they wanted to make sure if there were, you know. Residuals. Yes, left over, that they could rule out Dirk. Yeah. But besides, he would have had to give her a back back rub in order for there to be intimacy. Yeah, rub her feet, rub something else. But these two had not been intimate in years. In years? In years. Wow. So they're just friends. Yeah. Friends who sleep in the same bed. Not even friends with benefits. No. Just just friends who do life together. All of the sad parts of marriage and none of the fun parts. Oh. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Mm, All right. Just saying. Dirk and May met at the prestigious medical school, Case Western Reserve University, in 1964. Dirk was getting his medical degree, and May was studying for a nursing degree. Both were very driven and goal-oriented and extremely smart. I think their love of learning and science was really what attracted one another to each other. Right, yeah. They were equals and wanted the same out of life. So these were very two very similar people coming together and finding that person very attractive. So they're intellectually attractive. Yes, absolutely. Not necessarily physically attractive to each other. Well, May was beautiful. Oh, And okay. Dirk was a little bit of a goober, but goobers are sexy too. Are they? Yeah. Like me? Mm, yeah. You're more <laughs> Eric Estrada. <laughs> I, hear, I was waiting for you to go, yeah, you're a goober, but not that attractive. <laughs> you're attractive, but not that much of a goober. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, goodness. Dirk had come to the U.S. from Germany on an academic scholarship to Yale when he was in his late teens. So do you think he has like this kind of goofy German accent? 
Not really. He kind of lost it. Oh, okay. Yeah. He very much embraced the American culture and the American way of life. It's hard, though, to drop that kind of an accent. It is. But I think he spoke English even in Germany. His oh, daughter, okay. his dad was a very prestigious doctor as well in Germany. Okay. And so they were affluent even then. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Dirk and May were married in 1968. But before Dirk's family allowed him to marry an American, she had to learn to speak the German language and cook German food. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. All right. That's and it. she was a smart girl, so I'm sure she, she probably learned German in just a few weeks. That's She's a, like, I'll learn enough to marry this guy. That's an interesting prerequisite yeah. by the family to impose on the new wife. It's not their marriage. No. So why would they impose rules on his marriage? That's a great question. Right? I don't know. I don't know the inside Like he's an adult. What are they going to tell him? No, you can't marry her because she doesn't speak German. Right. And he's a doctor. Yeah. So what, I mean, what the hell difference does it make? What, what can they say? I could see where she would want to do that just out of love for him. Like, hey, this would help because then I can talk to your family. Like it should be something she'd already want to learn. Like if you if you were Hispanic background and we met, I would want to learn Spanish just so that I could, you know, interact with your family and friends and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. I probably would too. And vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you would want Yeah, that's you, true. I don't mm-hmm. know. Just Plus saying. we live in California, so we really should know Espanol. Yeah, there's more Spanish spoken here than Mexico. That's true. <laughs> That's why we like going to like Mexican cruises because when we go down to Mexico, they speak more English than they do here. Because <laughs> we're in the Bakersfield. crappy Jesus. Americans that don't know Spanish. No, I'm just saying down there, they want your money and mysteriously they speak English down there. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's all. All right. After graduation, the Graniters moved outside of Boston to the prestigious area known as Wellesley, the home of Wellesley College. Is that prestigious? Yes, oh, sir. Okay. It's <laughs> This is one of the top, I think it's in the top 30 most expensive towns to live in in the United States. Oh, really? Yes. The zip code is very, very affluent. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. It's not like Bakersfield. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Fine. No wonder we don't have many Bakersfield listeners. They're like, these jack-offs, all they do is talk crap about Bakersfield. <laughs> we don't talk crap about Bakersfield. We don't, actually. We enjoy Bakersfield. We really like it. It's like, it's very similar to West Texas, actually. Is it? Yep. So I've heard from people that are west from West Texas. Uh, I've never <laughs> been to West Texas. It reminds me of home. Oh, well, that's good. Dirk had been offered a position as an asthma specialist at Harvard University. Okay. Yeah. He was one of the top tier physicians for asthma. People came to him from all over the world. Yeah. For asthma issues. Mate, what? I was going to say, do you think his uh, tagline is, um, (laughs) I didn't inhale? (laughs) Oh, no. Sorry, that's Bill Clinton. Never mind. (laughs) Just kidding. That's funny. Oh, goodness. May decided to stay home and be the main caregiver for their three children. They ended up having two girls and one boy. By all accounts, the Graniter family was your typical all-American family. The kids were academic overachievers. They excelled at sports, especially swimming. Dirk and May never missing a meet or school event. I mean, this was like 
that family that yeah. you'd look at and you, you know, Perfect. secretly hated them, but you couldn't find anything to tear them down with. So then you became friends with them. So they're Facebook perfect before Facebook. Boom. Yeah. Or, or MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. Yeah. All three children attending Ivy League schools. Wow. Two even went to Yale. And I believe those two are doctors. Dang. I know. I know. We're just trying to get our kids to not eat their boogers. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah stop licking the windows. Yeah. You know. Stop licking the walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were the perfect family. Sure. Mm-hmm. After almost 31 years of marriage, Dirk and May were officially empty nesters. Their youngest child had left the house to attend college. May even deciding to go back to school herself to become a nurse practitioner. She was ready to go back into the working world. Yeah. She had also worked for Dirk sometimes as a nurse. So she kept up with her nursing skills and everything because she loved it so much. Gotcha. But now it was time for her to do something for herself. Yeah, because she'd be bored. Yeah. The only thing lacking in their marriage was adult aerobics. Yeah. May had suffered a neck injury, which made intimacy painful. But last time I checked, her lady parts weren't on I, her neck. I was going to say that. <laughs> so, so I don't understand her, that. I don't need her neck. Just, just starfish it, girl. Well, they can't. They can't <laughs> neck because her neck hurts, I guess. I don't know. I don't understand that reasoning. What's with the what's with the old time terms like necking? What what, what the hell does that mean? I don't know. What does necking mean? Does that mean your kissing? necks against each yeah, other? That just I mean that doesn't do anything just for causes me. Causes a rash. Yeah, especially with you and your stubble, which I love. But that's it. I'm not going to rub my neck against you. Yeah, necking see? maybe because it looks like when you're making out yeah, in a it's, car. That's what it is. It it's looks not, like you're called it necking. kissing necks. I don't know. Whatever. All right, so we need to talk about May's autopsy. Yes, we do. Yeah. The official cause of death was a five and a half inch long by two and a half inch wide horizontal wound to the left side of May's neck. Wait a minute. Five by two and a half? Yes. So they think- That's like her entire neck. Yes. So they think that the murderer sliced her throat once and then she either moved- which made the knife go further in and like kind of cut some more, or this person went back through and cut it again. Wowzers. Yeah. Okay. So someone had slashed her throat. Yes. Um, yeah. I yeah. Okay. That's a large area. The cut sliced through her jugular vein. Yeah. She was also stabbed on the left side of her chest, which penetrated her pulmonary artery and the left lung. This wound could have also been fatal, but so little blood was found in May's chest cavity that the stab wound could possibly have been inflicted after she had died or maybe around the time her body had ceased to function. So it wasn't pumping blood, right. basically. Her heart wasn't pumping blood at this gotcha. time. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gosh. May was also stabbed in her lower left chest, two times in the back of her head, and three times in her forehead. Holy crap. But all these wounds would not have been fatal. Even the ones in her forehead How? were not fatal. I don't know. They didn't penetrate as deeply like it wouldn't have hit the brain. So it's not like in the movies. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you want to kill somebody, you got to get them in their eye. Yeah. In the movies, you can die from a little prick. <laughs> oh, jeez. Nothing. All right. Go ahead. Okay. 
May had a large laceration to the back of her head that was consistent with an impact by a heavy metal object. She had another contusion at the left side of her face that actually fractured the base of her skull. Oh, jeez. That, w- that wound was probably made with an impact consistent with a blunt object such as a knee or foot, like a padded blunt object. Okay. That's, uh, that's poor woman. Not a rotary drill. No. Okay. May had an abrasion to her lower back near the base of the spine, an injury consistent with being dragged by her shoulders. May did not show signs of defensive wounds, nor was seminal fluid found. May had not been sexually assaulted, but she had been posed to look like she had been sexually assaulted. Right. Yeah, so she didn't have any defensive wounds, which means... So she was 100% surprised. Yes. Meaning she didn't even know. So she no didn't, idea. had no way to defend herself. So this person must have hit her in the head. And then she was. That was it. That was it. Oh, May. The next day on November 1st, investigators went back to the pond area for one last look. They found something else. The match to the brown glove that they had found in the storm drain. They had found another brown glove. This one was found in a storm drain near where Dirk had parked their van on the day of the attack. It also tested positive for blood. Okay, so like I said before, someone did a really horrible job from of from of dispensing of all the stuff. Someone th- thought they had more time, I think, and they uh, just started yeah. throwing stuff away. Or maybe they heard someone coming or something like that so they just rushed but may's murder left police scratching their heads may's death seemed very familiar almost too familiar Uh oh may's attack was very reminiscent of two other attacks that had taken place within recent months in the massachusetts area had may been the third victim of a killer targeting the elderly in parks In December of 1998, a 75-year-old woman by the name of Irene Kennedy was viciously attacked and brutally murdered at a county park in Walpole, Massachusetts. A few months later, an 80-year-old man named Richard Ranger was beaten and murdered near a fishing pond in Westwood, Massachusetts. All three murders occurring in the county of Norfolk and all towns beginning with the letter W. What? Walpole. Westwood, and Wellesley. Huh. Coincidence? Um, maybe. I mean, possibly. There's always a coincidence. Yeah. This is really sad. These are really sad cases, Irene Kennedy and Richard Ranger. And I haven't seen anybody do these cases before. Now, Irene was brutally attacked in a park. Brutally. She was on a walk with her husband, and she was in better shape than him. And so she would go on ahead and finish the path and then turn around and come back and grab him. And he would sit on a bench and, you know, hang out. And she hadn't come back. So he went looking for her and he found her in a clearing attacked. Now, this poor woman, Irene, was sexually assaulted. She had been gashed in her stomach and just brutally, brutally, horrifically murdered. A 75-year-old woman. A 75-year-old woman. Okay. And they, this is still not solved to this day. And then this man named Richard was beaten as he was walking along the shore of a pond and just hit in the back of his head 
Wow. And he was not sexually assaulted, but he died. Blunt force trauma. Okay, so here's my conclusion to all this information. Okay. Don't go buy a house where it says there is miles of just open walking paths where you can get your morning exercise. Live in the middle of town. Get a gym membership. (laughs) Forget going on romantic walks in the woods. Go stand next to each other on a damn treadmill. All right. But these other two crime scenes did not have any evidence left behind. There was nothing. The Norfolk Sheriff's Department looked at all three cases for a possible connection but didn't find any. They even sent the information to the feds to gather a profile on the suspected serial killer, but the FBI could not find a match or a link. May's death was not the work of a serial killer. So it's similar but not related. Right. Okay. Dirk gave consent for the search of not only his clothing, but also the family car and of the family home on November 1st. Inside the van, investigators found Dirk's backpack that he had been wearing. Inside were dog leashes, tennis balls, plastic bags, and gloves. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming for like dog doo-doo. Poop. I'm assuming for dog doo-doo. Poop. (laughs) Doo-doo. Do-do. I didn't want to say poop. Oh, my God. <laughs> because what? People have no idea. I don't know. Oh, good. She said do-do. All right. Well, they also discovered a bloody white hotel towel. What? A hotel towel? Yeah. Dirk told the investigators that he and May had both gotten nosebleeds, consecutive nosebleeds the morning of her murder at around the same time. What? He said that May occasionally got nosebleeds, so he gave her this towel that was in his car or in the van to stop the bleeding. And then as he was getting the dog in the car, the dog hit him in the face and gave him a nosebleed. So they shared a bloody towel. No way. No way. Okay. You're not, no one's that unlucky that you have consecutive nosebleeds. Within and, minutes of each no, other. zero chance. Yeah. It's not mathematically possible. Investigators also began interviewing friends and family. To almost everyone, the Grinaders were the picture-perfect and highly respected family. But things aren't always as they appear. Nope. According to some close family members, Dirk was a bit controlling, especially when it came to the children and money. He was never mean, but he did expect a lot from his overachieving children. They were expected to get exceptional marks, go to a top-tier college, and compete on a collegiate-level swim team. Okay. Dirk was also in control of the finances. May worked for Dirk as a nurse in his office part-time, but other than that, she was the dutiful wife and mother and giving of her spare time to charity work and community projects. So she worked really hard for this community, and people loved and appreciated her. But he made the money. He made the money, so he controlled the finances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Police interviewed May's sister, who told them that May was going through a kind of awakening at this time. She was now an empty nester and began focusing on herself a bit more, which is awesome. Good for you, May. Heck yeah. She had started exercising and losing weight, Uh buying better fitting and better looking clothing, getting her hair done, her nails done, like really just starting to take care of herself. She took the time to present herself in a little more put together. May had even talked about getting a facelift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Plus, she was going back to school. She was prepping herself for a new man. Ooh, That's, maybe. Why? I mean, I think so. Yeah. Especially going back to school, she's going to get all kinds of tail. Ooh, yeah, you it, would, Or is May. that the other way around? She's a cutie pie. May's niece said that she could see that her aunt was lonely and that she knew the couple were spending more and more time apart. Mm-hmm. But also to residents of Wellesley, they only saw the couple together. So they assumed that this couple was like a united front, just were always together, kind of obsessed with each other. Sure. But then you get to the inner workings or the inner family, and they have a different perspective. Yeah, nobody's that into each other. No. The niece also told police that Dirk had been acting strangely and making odd statements to she and other family members. She'd also had an interesting conversation with Dirk the day of May's funeral. Dirk had told her that he and May had had intercourse the morning of the murder. What? Gross. He told her niece that? that. I don't know. I think he was trying to cover his bases or I don't. Yeah. He also told her that he was concerned that the police were searching his home for the other glove, which they had found the day after the murder hmm. and that they had taken his pants. He was very upset that they took his pants. Well, he's standing there in his underwear now. And that the pants might have fibers from gloves he had once worn. What? Okay, but you would have washed those pants, Dirk. Right. Dirk Dirk. was concerned about the photographs the police had taken of him because he had two cuts on his neck from him shaving. Okay, so he told the niece all of this. All right, here's something I got to throw in real quick. Okay. If you are a regular shaver, Mm -hmm. right, male or female. (laughs) (laughs) I shave my face sometimes. By the time you're, how old old is Dirk? He's 60. 60, okay. Mm-hmm. By the time you're 60 or 40 or 30, you've figured it out. You do not cut yourself shaving. Hmm. You just don't. Even if you get a new razor? No. Okay. You just don't because you, right. you just, it's like second nature. I've never like cut myself like that, like a tiny nick maybe, but it's not like cut yourself significantly. Dirk continuously asked other family members if the police had contacted them and had even said he was worried about looking bad, but that it had nothing to do with May's murder. Was Dirk hiding something? Probably. Yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And that something was huge. This pillar of his community, top researcher in his profession, world famous and sought after allergist, published in medical textbooks. This guy was a philandering husband and horny bastard. At 60. At 60. His sexual appetite would rival that of a 16-year-old boy. At 60. At 60. What the hell's he taken? Uh, guess. Okay, well, all right. <laughs> Wait, let me tell you. No, okay, let me go get ahead, it. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, tell me, yeah. On November 12th, police were given a search warrant for the Graniter's home again. This time, the search warrant also included computers, credit card statements, telephone records, all that kind of stuff. So they were there to retrieve that. Sure. They also found a box hidden in the garage with a bottle of Viagra, which Dr. Dirk had prescribed himself in June of that year. And a box of 12 condoms. But only one was missing. So he had 11 okay, condoms left. But Viagra is perfectly typical. It's, especially if 60, 50s. Heck yeah. But the funny thing was is that he had prescribed it to himself. Well, wouldn't wouldn't you? 
Are you I mean, allowed why would you to? Go... I don't think you're allowed to. This was before. Now the whole prescription drug industry oh, has changed. But yeah. I think back in the day, you could write yourself damn near anything. Okay. But I, rec- I, I don't know 100%. I'm not sure. So okay. don't scream at me, folks. <laughs> a receipt was found on Dirk's toolbox for a package of nails that were bought at Deals Hardware on September 3rd, 1999. The only store to sell the brown work gloves. Okay. That's why this ties together. All right. And speaking of brown work gloves, the same type of brown gloves were found stuffed under a corner of the lid of a doghouse on the Grinader's property. The same kind of gloves that matched the pair of brown gloves that were located at the scene covered in blood. Wow, the cops were did a good job. They did. They found gloves in a doghouse? They really did. They looked high and low because he was their suspect. Right. They really focused in on Dirk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, there's something interesting about the gloves. They are only manufactured in Connecticut and only sold in Massachusetts at Deals Hardware Store located in the town of Wellesley. That's very specific. Very specific. Investigators also collected three boxes of varying size of plastic bags from their kitchen. Could they match the baggies found at the scene? Probably. On Dirk's computers, they found the mother load. Oh. The mother load of porn sites, escort yeah. sites, dating sites. This guy had a serious porn addiction. Okay, so we're talking 1999, right? 1999, when the internet 99. just started kind of getting into this realm. We didn't even have YouTube in 1999. Yeah. We didn't have Xtube. We didn't have any of that kind of stuff. But he was on these porn sites. When these these were coming up, where right. you you would have to pay for them, you couldn't just find them online. You had to pay gotcha. for them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, just because you like porn does not mean that you are a wife murderer. I would say not. Yeah. Okay, but it wasn't just porn. Dirk was acting on his sexual fantasies with escorts and prostitutes. There it is. Renting hotel rooms by the hour, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Even contacting couples who were looking for someone to swing with. Dang. I don't think they did the pineapple thing back then. I don't think so. No. And sending them nude pictures of his old saggy balls. <laughs> he was sending them Okay, nudes. so you you are afraid to say poop, so you say doo-doo, but you said old saggy balls. Oh, that's true. That just made people cringe. I'm all over the map, guys. All Gosh. over. Sorry. He also dabbled in some BDSM and bondage type of activity as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At 60. Yeah. Well, leading up to 60. Yeah. I bet he liked nipple clamps and stuff like that. Probably. Who doesn't? Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> so so okay. he was paying for these sites and sexual trysts with a corporate card account he had opened on July 12th, 1998 under the name Thomas Young. Thomas Young just happened to have been Dirk's college roommate. What? I know. Using your college roommate's name. So in 1998, the internet was kind of just starting out. Yes. Like things like AOL. Mm -hmm. So online internet access was just barely starting. So really the only option, unless you had a ton of money, was dial-up. Oh, yeah. Dial-up modems for your computer. 
So to get onto the internet, you had to use a very slow dial-up and anything, especially videos, it was mostly pictures because videos would have taken days to download. That's true. So a lot of it was pictures. It was going to have to be mostly pictures because yeah. you just, the content load was so much, you couldn't, you couldn't get it. It would take forever. Right. So you had to be really focused on getting your porn because if you're going through dial-up, you were hard up for that. Well, even in 1998, you were still buying it as a DVD or videos. And playing it on your computer. Yeah, you play it on the computer. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. remember there's CD-ROMs, DVD-ROMs, all that was coming out. Right. So our listeners need to remember that we are in our 40s. So we went through all of this. Yeah. So we, we know what we're talking about. And I always get questions like, where are the cameras? Okay, in 1998, there weren't cameras up. Not really. No. I mean, there were, but not not really. Not like they are now. No. You could get away with things a lot more back in the day. Oh, yeah. You really can't now. Nope. All right. I'm going to make you squirm a bit. You ready? Yes. I'm going to read you some emails sent the week before May was killed. Oh, good. And his usernames are pretty funny. Oh, good. All right. Casual guy 2000. <laughs> I'm white, married, but she does not play. So I'm looking for a very discreet couple with whom to play. I'm very oral, give and receive. I'm basically straight, but flexible. I like that. It's good that he's flexible. Yeah. You don't want to injure yourself. I cannot host, but will arrange for a hotel meeting. Oh, he's willing to pay. All right. Yeah. Back alley at Yahoo. <laughs> of course. I'm 49. He said he's 49. No, Uh he's 60. White, clean, fit, looking for mutual petting and more. Open-minded. Wowzers. All right. He's flexible, remember? Yeah. Casual guy 2000. I'm interested in an uncomplicated, intimate relationship. Clean, educated, athletic, sincere. Oh, I'm so glad he put sincere. That's important. But not ready for a long-term relationship. Not until after I kill my wife. Right. Nod, nod, wink, wink. All right. Casual guy 2000. Love your pics. Looks like you're into some B&D too. I've had some interesting experience with this, though I've given up all my toys. Since you were quick to send provocative pics, I will send one of me. Telephone anytime, but I may need to ask you to call back or give me a number to call because I may be in a situation where I cannot talk freely. You know, I might be at work or I might be with my wife or my children. Might be going for a walk. Right. Might be going for with a the walk dog <laughs> without my cell phone. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He also had a username called um, P-U-S-S-Y Writer. Sure. Yeah. Well, he's these, a, he these likes names. cats. Yeah. <laughs> he's a, had a kitty cat writer. Yeah. He likes to ride kitty cats. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Fun. Mm-hmm. I love that he said he's 49. When you well, see pictures of him, because he looks like he's 69. I think. For, Ooh, 69. I think 49 is like the same thing where the pricing of items for sale, people hear <laughs> only the first number and yeah. they disregard the second number. So when you see something on sale for 19.99, you hear a one, even though it's 20. If oh. you said 20. People are like, oh, it's 20 bucks. Oh, this one's only 19, even though it's basically the exact same price. Yeah, that's true. So 49, true. they're like, well, he's in his 40s. They're like, no, he's 50, <laughs> even though he's not, he's 60, but you know what I mean. Right. So it's funny that he chose 49. 
So had May found out about Dirk's extracurricular sexual escapades? How could she not? Her computer had been recently serviced, so maybe she had to use one of Dirk's and saw all of his porn stuff. Maybe. Because she was going to school, so she needed her computer. Did he have an open login for it? Were they both able to open each other's computers? That's a great question, and I'm assuming yes. So unless he password protected like files and emails, right? And all that Which stuff, didn't really happen back then. Uh, yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, if he's super smart, right? He is super smart. So anyways, is he, is he though? I don't know. Well, okay. We'll get into that. Okay. And maybe she threatened to go public with the information or worse, tell their three doting children. Or divorce him or divorce and take him. him for everything he's worth, which is what she should have yeah. done. Just over porn? Um, Yeah. Well, no, over meeting up with all oh, the- Oh, yes. No, the, not with the porn. Yeah, not I mean just- meeting. I'm sorry. My mind got stuck on porn. Yes, he was also meeting people and having sexual trysts and- Yeah, know, sticking, hell yeah. He, sticking himself in places he shouldn't have been. But there's still people that stay. We know people that have stayed. No, no but that's her choice. I'm just saying You're she right. could have. That would have easily- She could have. Yeah. Could is the operative word. She could have. If she found out, she could have hired a PI mm. and then- Built a huge case and then absolutely destroyed him. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. On January 10th, 2000, similarities to Dirk's DNA were found on the gloves, hammer, and folding knife. It also concluded that the blood found on those items did match May's DNA profile. Mm -hmm. So that was May's blood. But we can't say that they positively matched Dirk's DNA to the DNA on the glove, hammer, and knife. It was similarities okay with enough circumstantial evidence dirk grinader was arrested and charged with first-degree murder of his wife may grinader on february 29th 2000 the town of wellesley was in complete shock and they kind of rallied behind this man really yes nobody really thought that he had done it because they didn't know all the backstory. They didn't know the back stuff. No. Yeah. They were just this great, perfect, sweet couple who had raised these three amazing uh-huh. children. So how could he have done that? Right. right. The trial began on May 24th, 2001. The prosecution went in swinging. I'm going to paint for you the picture that the state was trying to paint for the jury. Okay. okay. So remember how I told you about the dog walker and the jogger? That's going to come back into the story because I'm going to weave their testimonies in as well. Cool. So are you ready for this? Before 8.30 a.m., Dirk and May parked their car in the parking lot of Morse's Pond Park. They began walking their dog down the paved pond access road. As the couple entered the more secluded area of the road surrounded by dense pine trees that kind of encompass this particular area... Kind of like went over the top of them, you know? Yes. Okay. Can you picture that? Dense foliage. Dense foliage. I cannot say that word. Okay. Dirk had stopped to tie his shoe. He told May to keep walking and he would catch right up. Liar. While her back was turned, he removed the hammer from his pocket and hit her over the head. May let out a scream that the dog walker had heard around 8.45 a.m. So this dog walker heard that scream. Okay. Dirk then dragged a semi-conscious maid down the dirt path into the secluded clearing where he murdered her. 
Realizing that someone must have heard May scream, he panicked and knew he had to hide the murder weapons. So that's where the loaf pan, the lighter fluid, the gloves, or the bags that they had found, they think that he had those in his backpack. And then he tried to hide them under a pile of leaves near her body. Then he left the clearing with the dog and walked across the paved road in front of the circle. They call it a circle, but it's the roundabout. Right. Where the dog walker caught a glimpse of Dirk walking hastily toward the pond wearing that backpack. About 45 to 90 seconds later, Dirk appeared again, walking up from the pond dirt path. Dirk noticed the dog walker and asked him if he had a cell phone. He did not. The dog walker asked what was wrong, and Dirk said that his wife had been attacked and pointed to the path that the dog walker had first seen him come out of. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. Dirk said he had a phone in the van and proceeded to go back up the paved access road. Both men spotted the jogger. Okay, but at this same time, Dirk is also covered with blood. So we have to remember that. And so this dog walker is looking at this guy who's got blood all over him. Yeah. Which has to be a frightening sight. Yeah. For sure. So he spots a jogger. Dirk asked him if he had a phone, to which he responded no. Dirk once again started running towards the van. The dog walker and the jogger exchanged words and both started down the dirt path toward May to see if there was any assistance to be made. There wasn't. She was gone. The jogger decided to run the third of a mile back up to the beginning of the access road to assist Dirk. Dirk had about a five-minute head start, but when the jogger got to Dirk's van, he had just started calling 911. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go through the evidence. Dirk was covered in blood, but his hands were clean. His hands were clean because he was wearing those gloves when he killed May. Absolutely. This is from the prosecution. And the gloves had a very distinguishable rubber dot pattern on the fingertips and palms used for gripping. The smudge on Dirk's glasses had that same dot pattern, probably from him pushing up his glasses. Oh, yep. Yeah. His potential DNA was found on the gloves, the hammer, and the knife. Now, we have to remember potential DNA. This isn't 100% sure. But they couldn't get a 100% match. Yes. Okay. The baggies that were found at the scene matched the baggies found at the Grinader home. It was the same plastic. Okay. The same tear pattern, that kind of stuff. Gotcha. The receipt from the hardware store where the bag of nails was purchased at 8.55 a.m. on September 3rd of 1999. The very next purchase, which was only three minutes later, was that of a two-pound S-wing drilling hammer bought with cash. Okay. At that time, the hammers were only displayed behind the counter, and only four hammers had been sold that entire year. Plus, where the gloves were bought was the only store where they could be purchased at that deal's hardware. They were unique to that store. Yes. And another pair was found at the Grinader's home. Okay. You don't think he bought the nails and then as a last minute go, hey, you know what? Can I buy that hammer right there? And then pull out cash. That's what the prosecution is saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because three minutes isn't, that's, yeah. Okay. Interesting, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And last but not least, the porn and extracurricular sexual gratification. Yeah. (laughs) The prosecution was only allowed to talk about Dirk's escapades in the week leading up to May's murder. So they weren't allowed to talk about the last year 
of all of his porn and sexual trysts. They were only allowed to talk about the seven days prior to May's death. I wonder Interesting, why. right? Why not more? I think it just wasn't relevant. Okay. Yeah. Ultimately, they didn't let him for some reason. They weren't allowed to include that. And then the judge changed, their, changed his mind, and then they allowed the defense to talk about his porn addiction. Because ultimately, 25% to 30% of this trial was based on his porn use oh. and his extracurricular activities. Okay. They went hard into his gotcha. extracurricular okay. activity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On average, Dirk was spending four hours a day on porn sites in that one week. That, I don't know where he found the time. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. He Good was staying Lord. up really late and waking up really early to do this. Wow. He had also had a date with a prostitute seven days before the murder in New Jersey, and he paid for that hotel room with his corporate account. That week, Dirk opened up an internet account under the name Casual Guy 2000 which huh. is what I read a couple of those. Right, right. He then used the username to open an account with an online dating service. On October 25th, he sent messages to two people seeking a discreet relationship for mutual petting and more. On October 25th and 26th, Dirk exchanged graphic emails with two couples looking for a discreet sexual relationship as a threesome. One couple he sent nude photos to. And the kicker. You ready for the kicker, guys? Yep. He had telephoned and left messages with an escort service on October 30th and November 1st, the day before and the day after May was killed. Wow. He had a problem. Sounds like it. He at really 60. had a problem at 60 years at old. 60. I think it was this whole new Dang. world. The internet opened up this whole new world for Dirk. Okay. Yeah. But mm -hmm. at 60. At 60. All right, but the defense came out swinging too. All right, sure. They were adamant that just because Dirk was cheating on his wife and dabbled in porn, that did not make him a murderer, which is true. Dirk loved May and adored their family. The porn and prostitutes were a need since May no longer had adult aerobics with Dirk. Then who had killed May, right? That's yeah. the question. Then who killed her? If he didn't do it, then who killed her? The serial killer that had already taken two lives before her. Mm -hmm. They said there was a serial killer and May was a victim of that. And all the evidence and matching stuff yes. was what? I'm, I'm going to tell you. Oh, okay, okay. Good. Thank you for your questions, though. Sure. Why were Dirk's hands clean of blood? I found one article that said that Dirk thought he'd wiped his hands on his pants. But I only found that one time, you guys. Only one time. Have you gotten blood on your hands? It doesn't come off. It does not come no, off. No, it sticks because to if, it. Because if you look at your hand, fingers, whatever, especially your hands, it is the most porous part of your body. Yeah. There's cracks. You look at under like a microscope, not a microscope, but, you know, magnifying glass. It looks like tons of Grand Canyons. There's all kinds. It's really hard to get stuff right. off your hands, especially blood. And blood dries fast. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be gross here, but ladies... Every 28 to 35 days, we go through something and you get it on your hands. Yeah. Okay. How hard is that to get off? It's very hard to get off. And that's under a perfect situation yes, where you're in control of the situation, exactly. not running around in the woods. Exactly. 
Dirk's potential DNA was found on the gloves, hammer, and a knife because of DNA transfer by the bloody towel the two shared earlier that morning. Somehow, when the attacker touched May with the objects, Dirk's DNA came off of her body along with her own DNA because of the bloody towel that they shared. Mm, no. DNA transfer is really hard to prove. Even today, it's extremely hard to prove. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The baggies found at the scene near May's body were from her. She often brought baggies from home to pick the wild berries at the park. Okay. But she wasn't carrying that loaf pan or the lighter fluid. Yeah, what's up with all that stuff? Or gloves. Yeah, I mean, she could have been carrying the gloves to pick the berries, but they were all found under the same pile of leaves. Yeah. The receipt for the nails. The son testified that he believed he was the one who bought the nails at the hardware store and not his dad. But he can't remember for sure. What? I know. Why the hell would he go in and buy nails? Because he's a dutiful son. Like his dad sent him to the store to get nails? Possibly. Yeah. And he doesn't remember that? And he doesn't remember for sure specifically. I think I'd remember if I went and bought nails. Yeah, you remember every uh, Home Depot purchase es- for sure. Especially, especially <laughs> if that's all you bought. Like if you, if I had been, and it was in September, so it was only the month before. Yeah, because that's unusual to walk in just to buy nails and right. leave. Uh, I, sounds like I he's know, covering for him. I know he's he's lying. That's his dad. It's my opinion. No, it's I know, but my opinion is he lying. Okay. After six weeks of testimony and four days of jury deliberations, Dirk Greiniter was found guilty of first-degree murder in the death of Mabel May Greiniter. He was sentenced to life behind bars with no chance of parole. Okay. Mm -hmm. The jury had even been taken to the scene of the crime in the park to walk around and see where everything was located. Really? Yeah, by the prosecution. The prosecution wanted them to actually see it and not just get this painted picture that I painted for you. This trial lasted six weeks. So I've really only given you a Cliff's Notes version of this. There's a lot of blood splatter evidence and experts and an explanation of DNA and DNA transfer. And if you really are interested in diving deeper into this case, I really, really recommend going and finding the appeal records because it's fascinating. That's where I got a majority of my information was from the appeal records. I suggest you go look at that. Just Google it. Google it. Google it. Dirk and May's children were heartbroken. They believe to this day in their father's innocence. They have to. They 100% are behind their dad. No, but they have to. You know Well, why? they have to because they lost their mom. Because otherwise their whole life is a lie and it's shattered. Oh, God. It's really, I mean, I get it. I, I totally get it. Heart. You want to believe. You want to believe. It just, it breaks my heart every single time because mm-hmm. people are so selfish and they murder for selfish reasons and don't realize how much it is going to affect the people that they say that they love. Yeah. And these kids, they just, how do you go on? Yeah. How do you go on? And they're about our age, actually. So I have a quote. From Actually, one of his daughters. Us, but yeah. No, they're, I mean, they're in our probably same in the box. Late 40s. Yeah, they're in yeah. the same kind of box as us. Okay. I have a quote from one of his daughters. 
She said, my father is an incredibly gentle human being. He is my hero and I am privileged to know him, let alone be his daughter. My mother was a fighter. She would have told us to continue to stand up, continue to speak the truth, because what other choice do we have? Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If you believe that he is innocent, you keep fighting for your dad. Yeah. Because your mom would definitely want you to continue doing that. I don't know for sure with this one, you guys. But what about all the evidence? I know. There's so much evidence. It's so crazy. There's so much evidence. But then you listen to the kids and you read through the kids stuff and my heart breaks for them. And then I'm like, well, I mean, are they really going to lie? Is that son really going to get up on the stand and say that he thinks he he's the one that bought those? Do you think nails? that he's so miserable as a husband that they're not together anymore and that he found new excitement in his late years, sexual excitement, so to speak, mm-hmm. that he was just miserable to have her? I mean, if, if to me, it's like, okay, fine. If you could live that lie, why not just continue living that lie? Why murder her? Okay, but that's the only motive. The only motive is that she found his porn. That's it. Only motive. I think. So he had to kill her because she found his porn? I think she threatened to, I don't know. I, to I think expose she, him? Maybe. Or maybe yeah. he would. He had a fear that she would. And, and it would shatter this perfect image. Yeah. And he that knew he that had. it would ruin it with his kids. So he wanted, originally he wanted to make it look like an attack. Right. I'm sure he had a plan because clearly the plan didn't work out for him. No, because he's been in prison for 22 years. Well, no, years. I mean, because he didn't, the way he placed the items, it was hurried. It was very hurried. He probably, if he did it, he probably had a whole elaborate plan and it just backfired. Everything backfired. Yeah, I think he was, and in his later years, I think he found a renewed excitement. And then she found out and he was so mortified that she found out and he was just miserable and blah, 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 blah. He could separate it. And then he snapped and was like, you know what? Screw this woman. I'm going to kill her and I'm going to hide it. And then everything will be fine. This is such a horrific case, especially when you read about May and just how wonderful she was. And just get divorced. Holy crap. Yeah. But think about it, though, that. I mean, he was close to retirement. He could could have have just retired and moved to the Bahamas and did all of his nasty things. Even if all he would have had to say was, we just have grown apart. Mm -hmm. There's no more physical attraction. Right. I'm still going to take care of her. We don't even sleep with each other anymore. She's my best friend. That's what they were saying. Yeah, just say, I I just want more and she doesn't want it. So that's it. All right. You ready for a fun fact? Yes. In November of 2021, Dirk appealed the decision of the Corrections Department to not award him parole for purported medical conditions. I could not find what those medical conditions are, but he's appealing the Corrections Department because they would not award him parole. So let's say he has um, skin cancer. So then he he asks for them to grant him parole because he has skin cancer, for right. example. And then they said, no, we're not doing that. So then he's right. appealing that denial, yeah, that medical request for parole. So Dirk is still behind bars at the Massachusetts Correctional Institute at Norfolk. He continues to work on prison reform with he and May's three children. 
Sure. Yep. They're still fighting to get their dad out. Okay. Dirk does understand why any new legislation will more than likely not help him. He realizes that most parole boards want the accused to accept responsibility for their crime, but it's something that he cannot do. And this is a quote from Dirk. That's a big problem. I don't take responsibility because I didn't do it. I'm pretty much resigned. Unless I can manage to reverse my case legally, I'm going to die in prison. And he is. He yeah, is. Sounds like it. Yep. 100%. Well, he's 82. Even if he got out now, I mean, right. statistically, he's only got a couple of years left. Yeah. That's the case, guys. This was a hard one for me, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eve, okay, so let's play devil's ad- advocate for a second. Let's assume he's 100% truthful, which mm-hmm. I doubt, but whatever. This is a great lesson for all the guys out there or gals. Mm-mm. Don't set yourself up to look guilty. I mean, he oh, knew what he was doing. Right. He clearly did go and was doing crazy stuff behind his wife's back. And he was people. worried about it because he had even said there's something bad that they might find out, yeah. out, but it's not about May. But he was very calculating and planning. That's already his personality because yes. for someone to do what he's doing, you know those kinds of people. Yeah, we do. They are usually very smart mm-hmm. and they're able to do that and compartmentalize it into a way where they can act totally normal and then switch and have this alternate life. It's called a sociopath. Yeah. You can put so, you can put everything in your life in little tiny boxes. To me, you almost have to have that personality in order to pull off murdering your wife on a trail. That's true, especially if it's premeditated, which right. it was. It's not a crime of passion. If he did murder May, this was completely and 100% premeditated. This right. was not a last minute crime of passion. No, because his whole alternate life is premeditated. It's all mm-hmm. planned. It, he's completely given up to that. And according to friends and family, he had everyone's life calculated, like his kids, May's. He knew exactly where right. they needed to go to yep. get to what he wanted them to have. Yeah. We, they went along with it. Think about it. Most people... We can't even get our kids to shower. No. And he's getting his kids to get enough good grades to go to Yale and be on swim teams and be these like amazing people. He's able to have two lives and not be stressed. Yeah. I'm stressed with one. I can't imagine (laughs) trying to have two simultaneous lives. That's true. And I'm still like somewhat coherent at 43. I can't imagine how, how bad I'll be at 60. So that that just means he has the capability of it, in my opinion. Right. So what did you think yeah. of my case? I didn't ask you my question. Uh, um, Is this one going to stick with you for a while? Yeah, I'm not going jogging on paths. <laughs> well, I will. You can't. That's not true. Guys get guys get whacked on. Yeah, look at too. Richard. Look yeah, at the 80-year-olds. I know. Poor guy. That's mm-hmm. crazy. That's, I mean, it's a fascinating case. Yeah, the, everything about this case was very interesting. Especially right at that beginning stage of internet access. And yes. Yeah. All that stuff. And dial-up. You made a great point. Dial-up. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the sound of dial-up? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yep. It brings back like PTSD moments when I yep. hear it. You've mm-hmm. got mail. <laughs> Say it well. Good times. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this fun-filled case of murder. 
So fun. <laughs> so fun. And if you liked us, please come give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or shout us out on social media or just tell your friends and family or, you know, your spouse that you're thinking of killing. Just tell them about us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Be careful. For marriage is a life sentence. And divorce is always the better option. Yes, it is. Bye. Bye.